This is Play by Playcast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play by play guys. For play by play guys, by I'm told, a play by play guy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Now, here's the host of Play by Playcast, Todd Bodet. <laughs> Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godet. Joe Godet. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, with an L. Okay. Here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. We are 124 episodes into Play by Playcast. Thanks as always for the subscribe, the stream, the download. Welcome back in, everybody. My name is Joel Godet. I'm the radio and television voice of the Ball State University Cardinals, and this is the podcast about play by play broadcasters for play by play broadcasters. Hosted by a play-by-play broadcaster. Professional development podcast that dives into the tips, tricks, stories, experience, process, and preparations of some of the biggest and best play-by-play announcers in the business. And it's getting to be that time of year, by the way, where when you work in college, when you just work in general, it is nuts. Reggie Miller was talking about it on the Dan Patrick Show earlier this week. Like, what do you do as a sports fan? Like, the NBA has started. October baseball. The NFL, we're about to hit college crossover season, which is why my world winds up like turned upside down. Uh, I've got football going on. Then I've got midweek football because, of course, the Mid-American Conference, which is kind of nice because I get my weekends. Um, but but then you get, uh, obviously, you know, like volleyball still going on, fall sports still going on. And then basketball uh, pops into the, the fold as well. I just shot the video board stuff for our women's team uh, yesterday and, and today as I record this. So uh, a little bit a little bit going on right now in the world of broadcasting and the world of sports. But thanks, as always, for finding uh, the hour this week to sit down and join us on our, uh, our discussion of the craft. Uh, our guest today is the first-year voice of the Texas A&M Aggies. His name is Andrew Monaco, and he replaces the more than 30-year legend at Texas A&M in Dave South. And Dave is actually still around. He still does baseball there. And we'll talk about that and their relationship uh, coming up in just a little bit. But Andrew comes to Texas A&M, his first major Division I Power 5 college job working in the SEC uh, after a lengthy career, spent the, the last 11 years working in San Antonio with the Spurs, uh, worked in the WNBA and called hockey, and then before that was in Orlando where he worked with the Magic and worked in the WNBA and called hockey as well. Uh, a long career, a lot of experience at the highest of levels, and uh, now relishing. I mean, like you can tell, you'll hear in his voice loves the fact that he is the voice of Texas A&M and the way that the community has taken him in, the university has taken him in, uh, the fans have taken him in, and how everything has gone over, uh, what, seven seven games in, seven weeks in, to the college football season. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, working with an analyst a lot today. We'll talk about uh, the, the amount of people that he has worked with over all of those stops in his career and how he... Uh, best does that we'll talk about the differences between television and radio because his career has spanned both back and forth uh, over the last several decades and we'll talk about of course Greg Popovich how I love doing this this is one of my favorite questions on this podcast how working with coaches that demand a lot out of you makes you better as a broadcaster obviously Greg Popovich demands a lot out of you and uh, I'm curious I was curious. I now know the answer. You guys will soon uh, as well. Uh, how working with Greg Popovich made Andrew Monaco a better broadcaster. So let's not waste any more time. We're going to dive right into it with Andrew Monaco. We start with getting to College Station and uh, how he came about being the voice at Texas A&M and how he is enjoying this phenomenal first year. Andrew Monaco, 
our guest on PXPCast. I have been embraced by the school and the fans uh, like no other job in the past. Uh, that, that was absolutely eye-opening. I, I'd always heard how loyal Aggie fans are, uh, and I had, I had heard about um, you know, the, the school, uh, but to actually witness this, not just to me, but to my entire family, um, really has been something really special. And as you know, anytime you, anytime you take a chance, anytime you make a decision to, to move to another job, uh, there's always that, is it the right move? You always ask yourself, is it, is it the right move? Wow, has this been, has this been the right move? And it's, it's really been not just here you are at A&M and the, and the level of sports to be here in Bryan College Station um, and, and to be with this program and to, to be embraced by everybody, that's what's really been, I think, the best part of all of this. Yeah, tell me a little bit about the, that decision for you. And, I, you know, on, on face value, it seems fairly obvious. You know, major job, you're going to do games at the 12th man, which is uh, an unmatched experience. Um, but you're tied in well with the Spurs, and you're obviously doing very well there. What said to you, this is the right time and this is the right job and I need to be the voice of the Texas A&M Aggies. The, the timing, but also very few jobs, and, and because of that, very few jobs like this open uh, when, you're, when you're talking about at, at this level. Yeah. Um, and, and even throughout college, uh, there, there aren't a lot of these. And look, it took <laughs> my running joke, and he doesn't like when I say it, I said it took <laughs> Dave South 32 years to open this job. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so, so that, that's the thing. I, and, and I and I said to him, look, if I knew I was having this much fun, I, I would have asked you to step down. But he, he's been, he's been awesome. And, but I think there's also part that that would have been part of the fear is, is having to, you know, fill those shoes. I also joked with him. I said, man, these shoes are really big and it's a long shadow. And he said, you're going to be just fine. Uh, if it, his welcome also meant meant an awful lot to me, um, hard to leave the Spurs. It was 16 years in San Antonio, um, but it would have to be something like this. Um, it would have to be, you know, the, the transition as well. Um, I I had always thought that for the rest of my career it was going to be more in TV. Yeah. Uh, but I think just this opportunity here um, to be you know, the voice to be able to do football and men's basketball. And we're starting podcasts and, and the digital stuff, which is, which is really the, which is really the trend. I think it's because, uh, you know, the name, the brand, if you will, uh, that's, that's what made it so attractive and that it, uh, you know, again, jobs like this don't open up very often. So when it did, you make a run at it. And I'll be honest with you. I hope it's my last job. I really do. I'd like to. I'd like to be. I hope there's someone out there saying, "When the heck is Monaco gonna retire?" <laughs> because I would like that job, um, and and I'm hoping to be here a very long time. What's it like having Dave South around still too? Um, and having you know, you talk about the big shoes and the big shadow, and and having him there. Uh, I feel like for a lot of people that could be intimidating, but at the same time, it's also probably immensely helpful uh, to have him kind of guide you through the process and still be a presence in the community and, and in Texas A&M athletics. I think that, I think that's uh, the, the latter is, is, is where Dave is. Look, it, it, look, he said, <laughs> it was really interesting. He said, uh, cause he's still going to do baseball, which yep. I think is great. I, I think it's awesome. Uh, cause he's, he's a huge 
baseball fan. I, I, I sometimes joke, Joel, that that people we throw the word icon around a little too casually. <laughs> I think it works here. You heard Dave, and you knew it was A and M, and 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 from someone who's not an A and M guy, now he is. Uh, you know, it just that long career. It was. I can tell you that I had there was a twelfth man meeting in Bastrop, Texas, and it was for the athletic ambassadors. So my boss is there, and he gives me this backpack filled with uh, A&M gear, so I'm, so I'm all decked out, which was great. But also tucked in there um, is a book, uh, Daily Devotionals, um, that Dave signs, and it's a very personal note that he has, uh, that, that he has signed that, and it's directed to me. Um, and I told him that's, you know, that, that meant a ton, that he, would, that he would think of doing that and included that. Because uh, as he has said, he's like, look, I, you know, we can be the voice of the Aggies, he said, but ultimately I'm a, I'm a child of God. You know what I mean? And, that's, yeah. and it's that kind of faith. And it leads me into, okay, what is, what, what is so special about this area? And it is how friendly it is and, and the town and the, and the faith is a, a big part of it. And for him to share that with me meant an awful lot. The note means a lot. One of the first texts that I get meant a lot. It didn't matter, Joel. It didn't matter if he welcomed me or not and that I was coming anyway. But I'm so glad he did. And, you know, someone had asked me, what's your, what's your favorite call uh, uh, with A&M football so far? And I, and I was thinking of a touchdown, and I said, no. My favorite call is when Dave Elmendorf, my partner, said, can I introduce you? on the first broadcast. And I said, no, it's not about me any longer. Let's just go to the game. And then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, yeah, you know what? First of all, he asked. And then second of all, if Dave welcomes me to the family, then I'm in. (laughs) He's been doing it 29 years. And I feel the same way with Dave South. Uh, It's it's almost that, okay, welcome to the family. Again, he didn't need to do any of that. Um, So I, I appreciate being able to pick his brain. Hey, Dave, how do you, what were you doing here? What, how, how do you handle this for someone who is, you know, who is, who's done it for so long, even if it's just the nuts and bolts of a broadcast, um, you know, and he would just go through both football and basketball saying, Hey, I would do this. This gives me a little bit of a break. If I can tape this and use this for this, I, I, just what a great, what a great resource uh, he is. Now, as I told him, you are welcome at any time. He's like, look, I'm going to get a chance to travel. My dad lived to to 91, and I hope I have another 18 years, and he's going to travel with his wonderful wife. I don't think he's ever going to get in the way, but I think he's always going to be a resource. But he's he's always welcome because you know uh, there is a generation or two who grew up with with Dave South, and I and I think that's a special relationship. What have you learned from him, if anything, in that time and in that experience? Of him doing games or since I came here? Uh, I guess either one, whichever one most hits home or rings true to you. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not so much learning from him, but I think it, I think it um, really uh, nails what we know in, in our business at broadcasting is we are, uh, we are an extension of the school, of the teams, of the student-athletes, um, and yet it's really not about, you know what I mean, when I say it's not about us, we should never be the story. We can be a part of it, uh, but we should never be the story. Um, but I think it's that, gosh, it's, you know, I, I say this time and time again. He is, he would be a, a, an absolute soundtrack of people's lives, of Aggies fans' lives. So, you know, there's big moments, and, and he's a part of it. Um, here it's just how, you know, how it's more than just, I don't think he defines himself by that. I think he defines himself by his faith 
by by his family, by you know his his marriage to you know his wonderful wife. I, I think that's that's the key. But um, you know that uh, you know he's he's gosh he he was the voice of the Aggies, and it's um, knowing someone said when I were <laughs> early, oh he's replacing Dave, and and then the person they were with actually it was his wife is like. No, I said no. You don't replace anybody. I'm just succeeding. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just coming in. I'm just coming in next. And you know, then he said, I wanted to make sure that you got settled. And, and we, and he said, you just be you. You be you. And that's that's all you can be. I, I can't be Dave, and I'm not Dave. Uh, and that's a, you know, for some people. Um, but but for me, I can only be myself. And I'm and I'm thrilled that they're giving me this opportunity. And uh, you can take this one however you, you you want to and kind of dive into it however you want to do it. I don't want to like pry too much into it, but I'm curious from a process standpoint um, yeah. because you mentioned the fact that there aren't, like, th- these jobs don't exist a lot. There's 130 FBS Division One jobs, and to do football and basketball together, that gets slashed even further, um, and then to do it at a Power 5 level, that obviously gets slashed e- even further. Um, yeah. when, when you find out that Texas A&M is open and that that's a position you wanted um, yeah. How do you go about saying, like, I'm getting this job. Like, I am the next voice of the Aggies, and no one's going to stop me. What What was kind of your process of of making sure that your name was going to be, you know, on the list when they sat down at the table at the end of the day? Uh, having the benefit of knowing at the time, uh, John Heike was still here at A and M, and I had known John uh, from the days at Fox Sports Southwest, former Aggie. Also, very good friend of mine, uh, Richard Oliver. They were <laughs> they were roommates here at A and M, and their sons end up being roommates as well at A and M. So they are they are full Aggies. It's funny. Richard would always joke with me, like, "Oh, when when Dave retires, would you you're, you're going to be the next voice of the Aggies?" I'm like, first of all, I don't know whenever Dave's going to retire. You know, you can never do that. But I immediately called John Heike and I said, "Hey, I'm interested." And I said, "Am am I someone that they would be looking for?" Because uh, you never know, you never know what the requirements are going to be. And he was very helpful while he was here. He has since he has since left and gone to Learfield and is working back in in Dallas. But we would always stay in touch about what was going on. So I immediately went to him and working behind the scenes a little bit to see if if there would be an opportunity to come up here and fill in uh, and and meet some people. The obligations with the Spurs didn't allow me to do that, and then and then it became the the official process, if you will, um, of uh, Learfield A and M Ventures and and Texas A and M, the athletic department, uh, and then going through that process. Um, and it's funny because uh, I remember <laughs> I remember this was later in the process. It was cut to twenty, then ten. I think it was after twenty. I. I called my boss with the Spurs and I said, "Hey, would you, would you send a recommendation for me?" And I was waiting at a certain point because you never want to waste those. Yeah. You want to you want to do them at the right time. Uh, and he asked me. Um, he said, "Do you think you're going to get it?" I said, "I'm going to tell you honestly. I really don't go after jobs that don't. Not so much that you're going to get that I don't think I. I, I you know, I don't think I'm unqualified for. Not at this point of, of my career." And I've always wanted his blessing anyway. That's any any job that is open. And he's always been kind enough to say, hey, such and such might be open. Is there anything that, that I can help you with? So we did it that way. But I think it's um, I, I think the way you narrowed it down, Joel, to not just it's it's I don't think it's just any other college job. I didn't think it was just, you know, it wasn't like, OK, what if I don't get this? What's the next college job that's open? 
my son will graduate from here from in December. So it, it gave us an idea of knowing a little bit more about the school sure. and learning about it through him. And, and as you know, maybe the biggest thing is, is it a good fit? Because it's, it's funny when you're outside and looking in, every job looks great. When you're on the inside, you kind of know, Ooh, I don't know if I like that organization or, Oh, I don't know if that director of broadcasting is going to stay. You know what I mean? It's yep. something like that. I just thought this was a, uh, you know, an, an excellent fit time in my career to, to make a move with both my kids and, you know, in college and drew about to graduate Gina, my daughter, Gina is a sophomore still in San Antonio, Trinity. Um, uh, timing, as you know, is, is, is everything. I just, I just thought the job was so good, so intriguing, um, such, a, such a great job and that it was finally open that it was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to make a very hard run at this one. I'd have been very disappointed if I didn't get it. I'm not going to lie, but I'm very glad that I did get it. It's one of those things where every job, anytime a job comes open, you're like, oh, that, I could see myself doing that. And then you, yes. yeah, that, then, it, and, and then there are others <laughs> like, no, that one's not for me. I, and I think that's important in our business also. You yeah. can't, you can't chase every single one. Um, uh, not some people do, <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, again, it's, and it can be, it could be the difference between what are the dollars? Um, it could be a difference between where do you want to live? Uh, it could be, you know, it, all those, I think all those considerations, uh, come, come into play, but that, and I never did see the final number, but I'd be, I'd be interested. I think there would be a good number of people who, who I think this job would be attractive to a good number of them. Well, let's talk about one of the ones that you had uh, very early in your career as well. Uh, how old were you when you did the Orlando Magic for the first time? <laughs> I was, uh, let's see, uh, end of 89, uh, 25. Um, What's it like being in the NBA at 25? And, and what did you learn both about yourself, about this profession, uh, and about the craft itself as well? Um, being kind of thrown interesting into that pool. that Matt Gukas was the first head coach of the Magic, and I remember Matty growing up in Philadelphia and doing, and he was doing Sixers games. Now, I know he played there also and then college ball there, so it was interesting that the, the people that I'd grown up watching or listening, now I'm working with, uh, and uh, fantastic. I, you know, I know there was a lot of success for the very first you know, Magic teams until they, until they got Shaq, but I thought Matt was – was absolutely perfect and to be able to deal with him yeah i was i was brought on as um they had bud sports their first year and then bud sports out of st louis was running the network then they brought it in house and that's how i got hired so i was broadcast coordinator uh handling the the magic radio network my running joke with dennis newman who is still there now um and that that was a relationship that started when we both worked mornings uh, he for Florida Radio Network, and I was at uh, 740 Winds. Um, interesting that a year before that, if I were calling all the stations, no one would take my call. But it was different when you called as Andrew Monaco, pause with the Orlando Magic. It's amazing how many more people answered their phone at the radio stations. <laughs> so, you know, it's not, not so much in charge of the network, but running the network and then being a studio host, which I really hadn't done before. Uh, and then, you know, growing, growing from there, it was, to me, it was pretty, pretty exciting. I think more about how there were, I think there were 20 people when I was hired. I think there were 20 people, uh, with the magic and we were all, in, you know, we were all in the Orlando arena at the time. And then you continue to grow and they, they brought on different teams and, um, you know, became RDV sports under Mr. DeVos and this and that it was, it, it was special. I, I, I loved being able to put together, you know, we were doing just actually, I, I 
first pregame shows that we did, I think, were 10 minutes. I think it was 7.20, and then we made it a half hour. It was like, okay, how do we fill up this half hour? And then by the time I left, I was like, God, can, we could probably do an hour every game. So it was, it was, it was fun because I had been doing morning sports at at seven forty, and then um, was able at the end of the at the end of the first season for the Magic, uh, the, you know, heard that it was a possibility. It was actually a combo job. I was doing baseball in the summer because we had bought the um, we had bought the Twins and renamed it the Orlando Sunrays. Uh, so in the Southern League, so it was a it was, that was the combo job for me, but, um, looking back, pretty fortunate to be doing that on a, on a network level and dealing with, uh, you know, affiliates. Um, I think at times I wasn't really sure what I was doing, but I, I learned a long time ago when you don't have the answer, go ask someone who does <laughs> makes you, makes you a whole lot smarter instead of being stubborn and, and thinking that you have it all figured out on your own. Did you think you would kind of, did, did you think that was like your forever thing too? Like, are you thinking yeah. like at 25, I'm, I'm set with the world. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I flat out enjoyed it. It was it was a blast. To, and, and to be uh, so so in Orlando when they started, and it's the same thing with Pat Williams as their GM at the time, um, and, and knowing Pat from the days in in when he was with the Seventy Sixers, and you go back to a, a, one of my previous, my very first job in radio, paying was in Atlantic City, and John Gabriel was still with the Sixers and used to come down and do some of our shows. Um, in Atlantic City, so knowing Gabe as well, so that helped with the f- familiarity. Yeah, I thought this this was going to be, for me, this was going to be baseball in the summer. It was going to be the magic, you know, during basketball season. We also made a run for, you know, an expansion team um, for the National League. Obviously, didn't get it. It was that was Colorado and now Miami. Uh, but making you know making that run and thinking wow I'm in a good place that I, I I could be doing Major League Baseball or or being affiliated with that if we were to get it and then um, <laughs> when you just when you think you know exactly what you're going to do it it goes in a completely completely different direction because I actually leave the Magic uh, to do baseball Pat Williams asked me um, would you would you go do baseball and I'm thinking yeah this would be great so doing the Southern League. It is that opportunity to then do some freelance TV. That is how I was really able to get into uh, television. And I never thought I, I, I at the time you're talking about being there, you know, with the magic. Like, yeah, I'm, this is great. I'm going to stay in radio, not realizing that I would and really fall in love, really fall in love with radio first because of the craft, and then to be able to do TV is something, something I love. That the, freelance for TV because I had the time after jumping to baseball full time. And then when I go back to the magic, it helped, it, it helped me even more. And, and Dennis is another really, really important part of that. Um, D- uh, David Steele would still do some Florida football games for sunshine and the magic games that he missed, uh, Dennis deferred and allowed me to do those. And I truly believe that helped me with the organization. It, 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 it showed that I could do TV play-by-play. I had done it for Sunshine, and I was doing more and more college stuff for them. Uh, but I think that was, that was very big for me when I went back uh, to the Magic organization. So I was able to do the Magic, able to do the Solar Bears TV, our IHL team. Uh, so that was really, really helpful for me. And I, I'm always thanked when I have told him I'm th- I couldn't lose in that case. If, if Dennis had gone over and done TV, I was doing radio on the Magic Radio Network, but he allowed me to do TV, and that was very instrumental uh, if, for me and, and my career. 
what do you like about TV? I get what do you still like about TV? Um, and and how is that different than what you like about radio and the challenges that are posed there? Uh, TV, you, uh, you know, I I learned that you, if you have a great partner, <laughs> it means the difference. So, Joey, if you if you think how how freaking spoiled I have been with my TV partners, uh, so with the Spurs it's Sean Elliott, and I can't think of anybody better. I really can't. Um, but I have had Mike Greenlay, who's now at the Wild. We did we did a lot of hockey together, um, and maybe. My, <laughs> Maybe my favorite is, and we kind of grew, we kind of grew into TV together. But Charles Davis uh, at Fox and NFL Network, and the voice of Madden, yeah. um, we learned, we learned together. We really learned, and 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 <laughs> I could tell you a story. The first, the first college football game we did, I, I really don't know Charles, and and we learned, but we do this game, and I come down the elevator at the old Citrus Bowl, and my boss is actually the director, and the producer is. Uh, uh, Kevin Shank, my boss is John Cook. Kevin Shank's the producer. He's the executive producer at the time at, of Sunshine. So I see my boss outside the truck. He said, "How did it go? How, how'd Charles do?" And I, I promise you, I looked him right in the eyes. I said, "He's going to be a star, unbelievable." Um, and I tried to equate uh, that feeling of you know being with someone who you just know is going to be great. We had a blast. I think we enjoyed it. I think we enjoyed traveling more. The games were always fun, but traveling together uh, was really pretty special. Learning one another, learning our families, and and there's there's others. I, I you know just the WNBA alone to work with Brenda Van Langen, to work with Fran Harris, um, that's that's been great. Matt Bonner is my last partner for um, you know the studio, uh, and I, there's a ton of people that I'm missing. I know because I've worked with I've worked with a lot of people, but. That for TV, that's important. I I always joke with Sean that if he tells a joke, people think I'm funny, and you can back off on TV, but you have an opportunity to tell some stories. But obviously, it's the picture. Radio now you're painting that picture, um, and I, I, I'm really I'm really glad that I can do both, um, and and I and I like that. I still think the partner is important on radio. I really do, especially for football. Um, look, Dave Elmendorf can see the game differently than I can. Um, the former safety uh, just sees things better. So I always say, look, I'm going to tell you who. You tell me why. And that's basically it in a nutshell for me. My job is the who. But I've got to get, you know, I, I want to make sure that I hear him and I hear Will Johnson who does our sidelines. And we keep his mic open almost all the time because he's almost like a third guy. He just happens to be there on the field and can see things or, or add something. Um, but radio, obviously, you have to talk more, paint that picture than TV. Um, look, you can't <laughs> radio. I can't say that receivers on the top side. No one has a monitor. They don't know what top side is. <laughs> they don't, so you, you know, you have to get descriptive. But I'm, I'm still of the less is more mentality. How quickly can you say it? Can you still be brief without, you know, without make, taking up so much time that you're forgetting forgetting the play? But much more hands on as opposed to working in concert with a picture, you've got to paint that picture on radio. I want to explore the partner side of that that you delved into a little bit, and just in terms of the amount of people you've worked with also. 
Um, and <laughs> yeah. well, but, for a while, it was a, it was real good news. When they worked with me, they took <laughs> off. So that was I think I was a good luck charm. <laughs> it's the training ground. We'll put you with Monaco, and it'll be great. <laughs> uh, uh, how did that make you better? Because you're having to adapt to different people and learn their styles and learn how to set different people up. Um, where did that help you improve? Uh, it helps uh, the ones the the ones who were not very good at it, it, it. That was a that was a three hour interview. Those aren't fun, and and I sometimes wonder if it maybe should have been my part. But as you know, some there there are some who just never get comfortable, uh, and to have to constantly lead a partner um, isn't isn't fun, and and you feel bad because you can talk to them. It, like it, sometimes it just doesn't translate. Um, as a partner, they can, you can talk with them and they're so good. And then there's, they almost freeze or they're, you know, I think my, you know, my boss with the magic, Mike Kickerell always says, Hey, reps, reps are the best thing that you can have as a broadcaster. Repetition is, is great for me. You know, I'll be honest with you. I remember when I was first doing the hockey and to me, it was like, Oh man, I've, I've got to prove myself. So, so doing an open, it was like, how much stuff can I get in the open? And I'm like, at some point, I was like, wait a second. That's what I have Mike for. That's what I have Greener for. He's the one. I don't have to. I have the job. And that's always stayed with me. It's like people may not like it, but I have the job. <laughs> so I don't have to prove myself every single time. And I'm kind of making it harder on myself. Why do I have to do all this? Get to your point. Then at a certain point on, on TV and even on radio, in all honesty, when you're working with a partner or partners, you're a traffic cop. You just have to get from one point to the next and you still have to do it well, but it's like, it's not as important as what I, what I just need to, like with, with A&M, I need to know what Dave's going to talk about. And it's like, okay, here's how I'm going to introduce you. I don't want to take any of his thunder away. Same thing with Will. I just have to transition from point to point. With a partner, it, it becomes easy. Charles helped me because we were looking at tape. I think it was a game at Mississippi State, and he had known Jackie Sherrill. So we, we, we talk with him, and then he gets some tape. And we're watching tape in their football offices. And I look at him, and I'm like, what are you looking at? Hmm. And he's telling me that, you know, tendencies and stuff like that. He goes, what are you looking at? I said, I'm trying to put names to numbers, man. <laughs> I just need to know who number 87 is or who, you know. But – but he allowed me to to look at preparation wise to to ask a school for game tape to ask and then it was that so there would be a tendency, but it's that trust with the partner. It's just a simple thing. Charles never stepped on me. I, I've had partners. I'm really fortunate. Really have never stepped on me, and and I appreciate that. They understand, and I think it's Joe. I think it's because I give them a lot of time. I don't like to take up a lot of time. I think it's like in an interview. If your question is longer than the answer, it's the questioner's fault. It shouldn't. It, it's rare it should be like that. You know, to me, it's, you know, whenever you're interviewing someone, I want to hear it in, in their voice. I want to hear what they have to say. It may be a painfully obvious question, and I've done that with people I've interviewed. This is going to be obvious, but I want to hear it from you um, as opposed to me. I think it's that trust. I think the trust with the partners and getting along and maybe the greatest compliment is doing a Charles and I were doing a baseball game. And I think it was a doubleheader ACC SEC doubleheader in Disney. It was like the sixth inning of one of the games and Chris glass is our director. <laughs> he just talked back to both of us. Like you guys aren't having any fun, are you? And I looked at Charles and he looked at me as like, yeah, you know what? This is fun. 
But I think it's because I got along with him that you get along with Sean. I get along with Matt Bonner. Uh, I think that's, that's what helps. Um, learning what their strengths are and playing to their strengths and not being so egotistical that I have to say everything. I really don't want to talk five and a half hours on a college football Saturday. That's exhausting to me. And how many voices can you get? And, and that's not just the partners, but whether it's interviews and things like that. I think it's that trust with a partner, knowing that, um, and especially the ones like in a blowout, I could go in any direction and Sean was always there. Um, you, can, you can have fun or he's a, such a great telestrator. It's really his show on TV. It's really his show. And to be a part of that, do it together and enjoy. Um, I've always said this. I can't come into your living room. I can't come onto your phone if you're streaming. I, I can't come into your car radio. You have to invite us in. And I think that's, I always thought that was a privilege. Now, how do we stay? You know what? If, if, if people, they may be there just for the score. Up, oh, A&M's losing. I'm turning the game. But if they hear that Dave, Will, and I are enjoying ourselves and having a good time being there, then I think, I think they, they stay and listen a little longer or they'll watch a little bit longer. I think that's the key. If we could go into anybody's homes, our ratings would be so much better. But we have to keep them. They, like I said, it's an invitation. We are guests, and, 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 and we, have to, we have to earn our time, if you will. Yeah, I think it's interesting on the, the analyst side of things, too. There's nothing. I feel like there's nothing worse you can do than say, this has been happening, this has been happening, this has been happening, turn to your analyst, and all he has left to say is yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because it's, it's not our, that's not our job. You know what I mean? And I've worked with I've worked with a couple of people who have worked with play-by-play guys like that, and they get to them at a certain point. It's just like that's all they're saying is, "Yep, that, that's not our job to do color." Uh, you know what I mean? I, I just I I figure there's like that delineation of that. Now it's also hard when you can't get something out of your partner. That's why I said that's a that's a two or three hour interview, and that's a long long day. I've been fortunate there haven't been a lot of those, but it's really not my job. I can't. Le- you can lead the analyst like if I know, like if I know Dave, we had been talking something during the week. I'll lead to him to make him talk more about it. But I'm, I'm with you. If I start doing color, boy, that's not my job any longer because if you reverse it, I would be ticked. I'd be ticked if my partner started doing play-by-play yeah. with me. Yeah. So you, you, make, you make a great point. And I think it's, I, I, I think it's the – Oh gosh, combination of the experience and trust and, and doing this as long as I have. I'm confident in my ability. I don't have to same I don't have to prove that, you know, you know, I don't have to do Dave's job. That that's his job. My job is to to bring out the best and, and work together. You make a really good point. I think there are some younger play-by-play guys are so busy trying to prove themselves they're forgetting the nuts and bolts and how you, you need to work together as a team. What's most important to you in football play-by-play, nuts and bolts-wise? And, I, I mean, beyond, like, time, score, down distance, all the obvious things, what's, what's really important to you that separates uh, great from good in terms of radio uh, football? Um, good question. Hadn't thought about that. Because, I, 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 it, to me... I think the nuts and bolts have to have to be there. I really do. You can't hard to keep playing catch up. So or maybe it's just where, that there needs to be nuts and bolts. <laughs> and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, no, there's some there's something to that because because people don't know and because you have eleven on a side and they are changing. Um, 
I think, you know, I, I, I take that back. Your linemen really don't change. So, but if, the, if I think it's the, when personnel does change uh, and it, and it could be related to down and distance, I don't think you always have to give the why somebody's in there, but new receivers or if there's, or, you know, for A&M this year, they've gone to the pro style under Jimbo Fisher as opposed to, you know, the spread of, under Kevin Sumlin. So there is more tight end and there's more fullback and uh, they do go under center a little bit more. We can, we, we get a chance to talk about that and the personnel. Um, I, I am of the belief that I can't control anything that happens in any broadcast. I, I don't have, if it was, I'd be undefeated. But <laughs> the story's still the student athlete. So I think part of it is, um, you know, a Courtney Davis who missed the last two years because of, or missed a lot of the last two years because of injuries, he has nine catches against South Carolina. It's nice to tell the background, and it doesn't have to be every single time Courtney Davis makes a catch. Oh, he's been injured the last two years, but can you weave that story in? I, down and distance are, to me, so important where the ball is on the on the field, who is on the field. I think those nuts and bolts are are very important. And then, I you know, this is the one thing that I've kind of learned in radio. Like when I first started, it was like, oh, my gosh, I've got to talk all the time. I learned that you can allow a broadcast to breathe. So that's where I definitely want sound effects. I want the crowd mic. That only helps me give me time to either collect thoughts let a crowd tell the story, not fight it. I say that for, for football, I, you know, for hockey, nothing better than a, 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 uh, the horn going off after a goal. And I had, a, I had a, a partner who, at one time, he tried to talk through the goal horn, and I was like, don't do it. I said, and the reason why is everybody knows something just happened. This allows us to collect our thoughts, take the time, and once that's done, then it's your turn. Then, it, then you go with something like that. I said, the, the horn is gone. The, the crowd cheering says absolutely everything. And I think I kind of borrowed that from, from TV the more I was doing it for radio to say, when you have it mic'd very well, you can allow it to breathe a little bit. It doesn't have to be wall-to-wall words. Um, as, as, now, if you're in an isolated booth, uh, now you're in a little bit of trouble. If you, if you don't have that crowd mic, you might have to do that. But I, I think it's that little bit of, of not having to worry if you can, you know, at, at an A&M game, uh, you hear, you know, 12th man going nuts. And, and all of a sudden, you're hearing all that. You hear the cannon go off. And then my partner says, can you feel, <laughs> can you feel the press box swaying? And it's like, like he almost saw it. Like he was watching the game through my eyes. And I'm like, Buddy, I feel it. There's nothing like it. Yeah. Aggie fans know exactly what's going on uh, in there. But I think the nuts and bolts become important because, you, you know, not to be funny here, you can't see what is going on. You know, you can't, you can't see that. So that's part, of, that's part of painting the picture. But can you get the stories in? It's why I, that's why I said I, I like Will Johnson having that mic on almost all the time, whether it's happening immediately or whether he has a story of someone that he talked with during the week or anything like that. Can, can we tell some of the background as well uh, of all the players? Can you weave that in uh, while you're doing that? Can you weave the stats in? Can you make the numbers tell the story as opposed to just the numbers? Everybody has the numbers. What do they mean? 
that's also, that's not just me. That's being able to work with, you know, you know, my, my partners and let them, let them ex- explain what these mean of just, as opposed to just saying this number, this number, this number, can you find a trend and things like that? What's the best way to do that, to weave that in, to make those numbers mean something other than just you have regurgitating? To, you have to have the time. You have to know, you have to pick and choose the time to do it. If you don't have a lot of time, like, no, no, no. Now, honestly, there are sometimes it's like, oh, you know, that's his sixth catch. Now, when you have a little bit more time, you can say, you know what? That's now the sixth catch. That's a season high for him, or that's a career high. You have to understand that the moment. The, the moment, if you're going for a game-winning drive and you're now, you know, second and goal from the three, you know what? The urgency and the immediacy there is, mm, here's the play. Here's, here's what, you know, again, time score here's the play. That's how, you know, what it means. There's a time and a place to weave those stories in. I, you know, I'm not going to, you don't talk about, Oh, he's coming off the ACL before the play. Oh, he's coming off the ACL, this and that. Afterwards, you could do that. That must've been sweet because he's coming off the knee injury and he yeah. couldn't wait to test it. Stuff like, I think you have to understand the moment. Um, and, and each broadcast has different moments. Some are, you go straight nuts and bolts. Look, if you're going up-tempo, TV's learning this, up-tempo teams, you can't have a replay after every single game. Now we're seeing replays be squeezed. I'm not sure that does us much of a service. As I say that, why am I buying a 60-inch TV now if you're going to squeeze it and give me 25 inches on each side? You know what I mean? We have to, learn, we have to keep up with that pace. I think it's the same thing as broadcasters. I learned this as sidelines. I could have three pages of notes if tim duncan turned his ankle guess what the number one story is now the update on tim duncan and that he turned uh, that he turned his ankle preparation's always there we don't always have to use it if we're if we're jamming things in that don't make a lot of sense i think that's part of the rhythm as i said the moment you have to know you know when's a when's a real good time to do that and and when it's not, you might need to hold it. And if it doesn't come in this game, you know, you hold it for the future. But we, just because we prepared for it doesn't mean we have to get it all in in the first quarter because then what do you do that in the next three quarters? I, I, think, I think that's where you, you, you trust that that moment will come. And if it doesn't, you trust yourself that I will get it in the future. Before I let you go, I want to ask you one thing uh, unrelated to your current position, and that is uh, about – your job with San Antonio, and uh, I know you didn't interview him in game, but uh, how did? <laughs> yeah. thank, thank the Lord. <laughs> how did how did Greg Popovich make you a better broadcaster? You have to ask Pop a question. You have to know what you're going to ask Pop. You cannot. We've always we've always joked about this. You can't go to Pop with the old they say. Oh, they say. <laughs> Pop, Pop will come right back with the who's they, and, and it's every right. Um, I look, I I love I love dealing with Pop, and I've had the good fortune of working with the same um, charity, if you will, Wish for Our Heroes. He's a part of it, and I was invited to be a part of it, so I I know a little bit more on that level. And look, Pop, Pop is one of the most fascinating people uh, I've ever been around. But that that's the whole thing with a, with a Greg Popovich interview. Um, you, you just have to be prepared with a good question. You don't have to prove to pop either. And I think that's where other people get, get in trouble. Like pop knows basketball. So you don't have to 
you know, start spouting how much you know, Pop already knows it. Ask a very good question to Pop. You're going to, I think playful Pop is outstanding TV or radio. And when you can earn that from him and you have to, and you have to earn it, um, it, to me, it's, it's interviewing gold and it's, and it's funny. Um, Bill Land has been doing Spurs for, I think he's going on his 15th year, but he's in broadcasting a long time, but our boss would say, Hey, you know what? You know, be prepared. Ask a good question. There are certain people you can get away with just statements. And I think that comes in the, in the rhythm of an interview. You can, you can do that, but you can't keep just throwing statements out. Don't ask a yes, no question. If you ask a yes, no, there better be a question right on the back end of that. You know what I mean? There, there's a time and a place for all of that. But I think it helps you prepare what are good questions. And I, I, Joel, I'm going to say this. When you're doing an interview, the most important part is not the question. It's listening because you're, the person you're interviewing may take you in another direction. Always be prepared, but also be prepared to go in another direction. Um, Pop can do that. When he becomes playful, you can, you can go on with it. I, the reason why I say that, I remember, you know, with the Spurs, the one, the one year we sent everybody home from the game against Miami. And when Miami came in and in March, they sat everybody also. And as I'm doing the interview with Pop, I was like, can you believe someone would do that? And he's like, he, he then takes off on that. Like, Oh, I can't believe that they're done. But you could see the playfulness in him. You know what I mean? So you, yeah. you, 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 you go with that, but you've got to be able to listen again. You, you can have the list of questions, but the same thing. If Manu Ginobili starts going in some direction in one of the great interviews, interview and interviewees of all time, you go with that. You, you let sometimes them take that direction. But with Pop, you just, you just knew. The, the questions should be, should be thoughtful. The questions, you know, 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 know your subject. Know that, that Pop, that's, that's, how he, that's how he makes you better. Um, and then, and you, you, know, you kind of earn, earn his trust, uh, and, and that makes it a little bit easier. As I say that, though, if I were going to interview Pop right now, it would be the same thought of, well, you better, <laughs> you better have the right question. You better, like, just because you've done it for some years doesn't mean that you can take that off. He's still going to be that way. But I think his, his answers then, it's, it's, a, it's a tad more relaxed. But you know you've got to be on your toes and, and do your work. Um, that, that's how he made me better, though, by knowing that you've got to ask the right questions, ask them in the right way. Don't just assume anything, uh, you know, with, with Greg Popovich. Andrew, uh, how do people find you on social media or track you down if they want to uh, if they want to pick your brain further if they've heard anything they like uh, here today? At, at Andrew Monaco underscore SR. Apparently, I wasn't quick enough to get it from <laughs> Andrew Monaco Jr. So <laughs> I was, that's that is that is the the Twitter handle, and uh, that's that one is also kind of playful. We have some fun. Social media, I think, should always be should always be fun, but that's that's the best way to get me. All right, that's Andrew Monaco, our guest on the 124th episode of Play by Playcast. Uh, you can catch him on social media there, as he said at the end. He is at Andrew Monaco underscore SR, and uh, feel free to reach out to him and let him know, hey, you heard him on the podcast, you enjoyed what he said, uh, pick his brain further. Uh, that's what I love about doing these, is we can... Build that community of play-by-play broadcasters. From uh, a guy this week who 
is in his first year as the voice of a Division I university after a lengthy career in the NBA and in the pros um, and the WNBA and, and hockey, as we said. Next week, we will go to a guy who spent the vast majority of his, uh, his career at the college level. Bill Roth will be our guest next week, the longtime voice of the Virginia Tech Hokies. He is now teaching at Virginia Tech, working for ESPN, has a lot of different projects on his plate. Bill Roth. Uh, I love Bill. Uh, he and I go back a while, and it's a fun conversation that he will join us for next week on the podcast. Until then, hit us up on social media, at PXPCast. I'm at Joel Godet. You can email me, J-G-O-D-E-T-T, at BSU.edu. Remember to subscribe, download, rate and review the podcast and we will see you right back here seven days from now play by Playcast is out and that will do it from st louis where the score is inconclusive